0: Welcome to Good Faith Reads. I'm your host, Cliff Vaughn, the media producer at Good Faith Media. Good Faith Reads is a short podcast released twice a month in which we focus on one of our book authors at Good Faith Media. We've published more than a 100 titles under our Nurturing Faith book imprint, and we invite you to check them out at goodfaithmedia.org. Today's guest is Bruce Salmon, author of the new book, The Letters of Paul, in the Spelunking Scripture book series. Bruce is joining us remotely from Bowie, Maryland. Bruce, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Cliff. It's great to be with you.
0: We're delighted to have you joining us today. Let's just get right into it. What is new with Paul's letters? Why write this book?
1: Well, Cliff, as you may know, the letters of Paul make up about a third of the New Testament. I love how Diana Butler Bass puts it in her new book, Freeing Jesus. She calls the letters, Paul's ruminations on his Christ experience. Yet, those ruminations can cause some problems. Let me quote from two friends who wrote endorsements that appear on the back cover of the book. Emily Holiday wrote, as a female pastor, I often find myself keeping Paul at a distance as many have used his writings as foundational to the idea that women should not be preachers, teachers, deacons, or hold any major role in the church. That's what Emily wrote. Amanda Tyler wrote, it's a tragic reality that Paul's letters have been used for centuries to oppress and subjugate rather than liberate and welcome all to God's table as equals. That's what Amanda wrote. So there is work to be done in interpreting the letters of Paul in a way that liberates and welcomes, rather than in a way that oppresses and subjugates. And that's part of the reason I wrote the book. Yeah.
0: Well, you've got a little over 100 pages in the book, uh, in 12 chapters, more than half of your book, is concentrating on Paul's missives to the churches in Rome and Corinth. So generally speaking, how did you determine really where to focus your attention?
1: Well, one of the principles of spieling Scripture is that not every passage of every book is of equal value. Uh, Some passages and verses can be taken out of context, and they can be misused as proof texts for all manner of unchristian agenda. Not every word of Paul is of equal value. Frankly, some verses in Paul's letters reflect the cultural conditions of the time rather than God's eternal purposes. So another objective of spieling scripture is to distinguish between cultural conditions and eternal truth. For the book, I selected important passages from Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, and 2 Timothy.
0: So you've mentioned spelunking scripture, and I'll note again that this book, The Letters of Paul, is part of your spelunking scripture book series. And while this volume is on The Letters of Paul, other volumes will tackle Acts, the Gospels, the birth of Jesus, the resurrection. How did you come up with spelunking? for this book series.
1: I'm not sure how I came up with it, but it's a metaphor for going beneath the surface to explore more deeply important passages of scripture. And one of the ways I go spelunking is through the use of stories to connect the ancient text with our modern context. For example, in chapter one, I share a personal remembrance of being caught in a thunderstorm on the golf course. And then I connect that story with an account of Martin Luther, who was caught in a violent thunderstorm, and how that experience had a profound effect upon his life. In fact, it changed the direction of his life. And I use the stories to help explore the deeper meaning in that case of the text of Romans 1 16 and 17
0: you deftly use and employ personal stories in all of your books. uh, And and I think that's one of the real benefits uh, for readers. We're going to talk more about the letters of Paul in the Spelunking Scripture book series right after the break. We'll be right back in 30 seconds with more of Good Faith Reads. I'm Starlet Thomas, and I invite you to join us for Good Faith Stories. It's a new podcast series from Good Faith Media. In each episode of Good Faith Stories, we'll bring you a collection of different stories tied to a theme, unique and true stories as told by the people who live them. Each story is short, six or seven minutes, with a little mood music. Listen to Good Faith Stories wherever you get your podcasts, and find us online at goodfaithmedia.com. Welcome back to Good Faith Reads. Today we're joined remotely by Bruce Salmon, author of the new book, The Letters of Paul, in the Spelunking Scripture book series. I'm Cliff Vaughn of Good Faith Media. Bruce, you pastored for more than three decades, and as you note in the book, preached several hundred sermons on Paul's letters. So those sermons and the study for those sermons inform this book. For potential writers and authors out there, do you have some general advice on how to go about taking material that exists in one form, say in sermons, and preparing it for another life like a book?
1: Well, not every sermon is suitable as a Bible study. Some sermons are more about exhortation than information but many sermons do seek to move from what the scripture says to what the scripture means and that's the goal of most bible study the goal of spelunking scripture is to move from the what to the so what in other words we move from what the text says to so what does the text say to me so what does the text say to us What does the text say for our lives?
0: In the book's preface, you deal with the misuse of Scripture, bringing up proof texts and dead-end passages, as you say, that have been used to subjugate women, for example, or somehow justify slavery. And you quote from Emily and, and Amanda earlier on this issue. Some of Paul's writings just always seem ripe for misuse. Why is that?
1: In the introduction, I note how Some passages from Paul's letters have been used to justify slavery to subjugate women uh, to condemn persons of a different sexual orientation. And again, it's a matter of failing to differentiate cultural conditions from God's eternal truth. Some passages in Paul's letters reflect the cultural conditions of the time. For example, slavery was widespread in the ancient world. That was a cultural condition of the time. Another example, men of means or men of political power or men of religious authority, or even men in the household were in charge. Women were subservient in most ancient cultures and in many modern cultures even today. And persons of a different sexual orientation are still discriminated against in many cultures even today. Certain of Paul's writings are still being used or should I say misused to justify these cultural mores and conditions. That's why I say not every word of Paul is of equal value uh, the twelve passages of Paul that I explore in the book, I consider to be some of the most important passages of the Bible.
0: An important note to all of our listeners, we at Good Faith Media are always accepting book proposals. Our authors engage with an experienced team of editors, designers, and marketers to produce and sell books on a variety of topics. If you have a book proposal you'd like to run by us, head on over to goodfaithmedia.org slash bookstore. For more information, that's goodfaithmedia.org bookstore Bruce, could you read for us one of your favorite passages from the book? We'd love to hear it. And then on the other side, hear why it really stands out to you.
1: Yes, this passage is from the introduction. And if you just bear with me, it's a little bit longer, but uh, it tells a story. Here it is. As a two-time graduate of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, I was dismayed to learn that two of the founding faculty members of the seminary, John A. Broadus and James P. Boyce, were slave owners. Broadus was an outstanding preacher and New Testament scholar. Boyce was a systematic theologian who served as the first president of Southern Seminary. Broadus and Boyce were among the most acclaimed Baptist leaders of their era. Yet, both owned slaves like many southern preachers they found warrant for slavery in selected passages of scripture the bible does have a lot to say about slavery slavery was common in the old testament abram and his wife sarai were slave owners according to genesis 16 sarai instructed abram to impregnate her slave hagar Today, we would call this act rape. In the New Testament, 19 of the 27 books mention slavery and some passages explicitly command slaves to obey their masters. So using these and other selected scripture passages, many Southern preachers, including some esteemed Baptist seminary professors defended the institution of slavery as ordained by God, how could they have so missed the mark? Well, that's the quote. Now this passage uh, stands out for me because it illustrates how cultural conditions such as slavery can be misconstrued as God ordained. Jesus said we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. There's no way that slavery is love for neighbors. The same is true for the subjugation of women and the condemnation of persons of a different sexual orientation. According to Jesus, the greatest commandments are to love God and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That is God's intention for our lives.
0: Our guest today on Good Faith Reads has been Bruce Salmon, author of the book, The Letters of Paul in the Spelunking Scripture series. The book, along with more than a hundred other titles, is available as both a print book and ebook at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore Bruce, we appreciate you being our guest today.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. Cliff, uh, to find out more about Spelunking Scripture, some of our listeners might want to check out my website, www.spelunkingscripture.com.
0: Thank you, Bruce.